Hey, hey, y'all. If you want to head to our website to check out all the different things Pizzazz offers, then just head to pizzazzart.com. That's P-Z-A-Z-Z-A-R-T.com. You will see our online memberships. We've got kids club memberships, our lettering club membership, our one project a month membership. We call that paint and praise. You will see some freebies that we've got there for you. And you'll see our local classes if you're local. So head to the website, check it out, pizzazzart.com, P-Z-A-Z-Z-A-R-T.com. Hey, hey, y'all, this is Casey Hope with the Here's Hope podcast, and I'm super excited today for the second time <laughs> to have Pam Ryder on. Pam is a Lettering Club member. She has become a good friend over the past several years, and, and she is so kind and so gracious because we just recorded a whole podcast for an hour, and it didn't record. <laughs> so we're doing take two. We're doing take two because this is an important message. It's her testimony. It's what it is. It's her testimony. But I believe there's just a lot of truths about God and who he is and his goodness woven into her testimony that we want to share today. And so she is going to um, tell you a little bit of her story, which includes, you know, getting pregnant at a young age giving the baby up for adoption, the emotions that went through that and how good our God is in the end. And so I am just excited to share her story with you today. So Pam, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And this one will be more put together. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, we had a practice round. We had a practice round. <laughs> we did. We did. So um, so we're breaking this into three parts today. And so, or not, I mean, it's all one, one show, but three little mini segments. So the first part of Pam's story that she's just going to, I'm just going to let her talk and share with you is kind of college years when she found out she was pregnant and what she, the hard decisions that she had to make and the feelings that surrounded that. So go ahead and just share that first part of your story. So I went to a Christian liberal arts school in Tennessee and I was an athlete in high school and I'm five foot 10. And I remember thinking, will I ever see a guy that's taller than me, you know, <laughs> as, um, I thought about my future and everything. And so when I got to school, um, to college, um, there was a guy that was smitten with me straight off, straight on. He was a Bible bowl guy. I thought, oh my goodness, Lord, thank you. What is a Bible uh, bowl guy? A Bible bowl is a, a group that sits, um, they're teenagers, high school, middle school, and they study the Bible like they'll choose a, a book. So say it's Romans and they're, mm -hmm. and they go through and they memorize and they get depth into it. And then okay. they go and they do to con go to contests and... where they're asked questions and things. Okay. So, like, so I think we call that Bible drill. I think here. Okay. Maybe. Okay. Um, okay. Go yeah. ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. You know, I thought I, woohoo, I got this guy. He's taller than me. You know, uh, he's a Christian and I'm in the right place. So we dated for about two years at, throughout that relationship. We put Jesus in the back seat. He was not, no, actually we put, yes, we put Jesus in the back seat. We were driving our own life. 
if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, those first experiences kind of lead you astray and and the devil just kind of takes you out, takes over of a lot of situations when you allow him to, instead of him, you know, driving your life. So that relationship broke off. And that's when I thought, oh, well, this is all that guys want really. So I went down a few roads that still Jesus not leading my life, even though I was on a Christian campus. And I, um, and I found myself, you know, just hanging out with people I shouldn't have and, and those kinds of things. But yet during the day, living that Christian life, supposedly, you know, on campus. Um, so I, um, I would come home and I had a whole bunch of core guy friends that, that were platonic um, relationships. His name's Chris that I'm going to tell you about. Chris and I met at a wedding and and we were friends for a long time. And he reached out and said, would you like to go out while you're home? And I said, sure. And we went to a birthday party and then he lives on the other side of town. My parents were gone. We came back to our my house and he spent the night. I went back to school and a month later, I found out I was pregnant. Here I am at a Christian school, pregnant. Back in the 80s, you would not graduate. I was doing my student teaching, getting ready to do my student teaching. And had I let it reveal, I would not have a teaching degree right now. Well, maybe, but, you know, at that time, that's that's, what you felt. Yeah, that's what you felt. That's what I felt. This was the decision. Yeah. Yes. Uh, That was was in February. um, And in March, I came home for spring break. My parents um, were... The typical Christian parents that um, had a vision for their kids, no swaying of any kind back and forth as far as what they were going to do in their lives, you know, that halo over your head. Well, I wasn't living that halo and I had to figure out what I was going to do because here I am pregnant. So I came home, um, called uh actually Chris's employer and said, could you have him call me? I, they were friends of ours. And so he calls me and I asked him to come over so we could talk through this. And I had already told him I had two friends, Megan and, and Court, and they kind of, we walked through this together. They were the only ones on campus that knew. And we um, had, I, I had called him from school and told him what was going on to Chris. And so anyway, so uh, he came that night at my house while I was home for spring break and um, we discussed things and it was, you know, little bits and pieces of, you know, I'm not going to marry you, um, you know, those kinds of things, but I'll be there to support you, blah, blah, blah. So my mom calls while we are, while he's there and says, Hey, I'm going to bring home dinner. And I said, well, Chris is here. And she says, okay, ask him if he wants to stay. You know, my heart just sunk. And I said, hey, Chris, you want to stay for dinner? And he said, yes. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. Why would you want to eat dinner with us after that? And, uh, you know, after our discussion and you know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so he he stayed. Well, of course, my mom brings home steak, you know, of all things to cook. And I'm like, are you serious? I don't even deserve a steak, let alone him deserve a steak coming here and eating at my house. So. It was, I couldn't hardly eat and eat the dinner. It was, you know, so on out of my, you know, I'm a good eater. So it was, my parents were probably thinking, what am I wrong? Is she sick? Well, I was. So he left 
And uh, we went in and was watching TV, still had no clue. My nerves were, you know, a mess. We were watching, I remember uh, Miss American contest. And I said, could you turn that down? And I said, uh, I got to tell you something. <laughs> Excuse me. And she's, so I told him, I said, you know, I'm pregnant and uh, Chris is the father. And they, my mom went ballistic. I mean, she just went off her rocker and my dad just sat there and stared at me. And he said, well, they both said, we've already raised our kids. We are not raising another child. We've already done that. And so I was like, okay, well, that kind of shuts one door. Mm -hmm. And we went through that and I went back to school and, you know, my mom was just devastated. Didn't want anybody to know my friend, a college friend lived in Florida and she said, come here, just come here and I'll take care of you. And we'll figure, you can figure it out while you're here. And so when I told my mom that she reached out to our pastor at our church and she said, you know, do you know anybody in the St. Petersburg area? And he said, yes, I know a guy at a mega, mega church, huge church, and, and I will give him a call or you can give him a call. And so my mom called him and, and he said, well, that is, that is such a God thing. I just got a call from this couple that I had already set an adoption up for him before, and they told me they're ready to adopt again. And here you are. So there's God thing one, number one, mm-hmm. I didn't see it at all. I didn't see it at all. Of course. So here I am. And I was like, Oh, good. Okay. Well, we'll figure this out. And so at that point in time, I was like, okay, well, I think that this is going to be my, my road. I, I can't have a child that doesn't have both parents in their life. I need to have a steady job back then they would not have hired me as a single mom and in a teaching situation totally different now but they would not have done that and so here I was you know doing my student teaching hiding it finding out that you know that this these people need wanted another child and my friend telling me to come and and stay with her so as I did that um, another friend from college said I, I went and saw them, went to the beach to see them. When we went down to, I went down to, to see these people. But before I went, my friend Megan and, and Court took me to this halfway house. And here I am, I'm almost a college graduate. And I walk into this home and it's just like all these pregnant women walking around. They're like 15 to 20. And, and the lady says, well, you won't be able to have a, a car. You won't be able to have any of these things. You will just stay here and we'll take care of you. So we leave and I go, well, that's not for me. I would, you know, be miserable. So then that's when I ran into my friend from college, another one. And she said, well, our roommate just left and we have an empty room. Ah, God thing number two, but I didn't see that. So I said, sure, that sounds perfect. Well, then the pastor's had a school at, at their at the church and so the principal of the school said um yes she can work in the school office not having a whole lot of, of contact with the kids and she can do that and take care of she was also an evangelist and she did all of these workshops and things 
so I'd get stuff ready for her and, and all that and answer the phone and, you know, call kids down when their parents came or whatever. So all of that um, came together and that was, you know, God thing number three. But of course, what was I going to say? It, I didn't see that. So as God is still not leading my life, I, I, I make that decision. They set up a doctor and a, a lawyer and everything for me to get through this process. And as I'm doing that, I had a friend, my first friend that said, come down, I'll take care of you. I had 12 siblings and they were just the coolest family. And they treated me like I wasn't pregnant, that I was just their friend, you know, hanging out with them and exactly what I needed. And that really helped me through this journey as far as on this side of before having my son, which it, it was boy, obviously. As we did that, a lot of things came into my life as far as friendship and providing provisions and everything for me to survive in that element. It came around time. I, I actually had him on the day that I was supposed to. And that morning I started having labor pains. And so I called my mom and she said, you're having back pains? Yeah. Okay. I'm on my way. So we go to the airport and we sit there, one of my roommates and I, and, and I'm having some labor pains and we make up stories of what's going on in our life. Obviously God wasn't driving my, my situation at that point either. And so we get through that and we go to this hospital. Well, this hospital was like way behind all the other hospitals, at least in Indiana and where I'm from. And so they didn't even have like stirrups to put your feet in as you're laboring and stuff. So here I am on like a gurney bed trying to push and everything. And and then they're like, okay, stop pushing. Now get off of that gurney and get over here on this cot, on this place. I'm taking you over here. Now get off and you're going to push and have the baby here. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, right. So <laughs> did that. And, you know, even the doctor that they had set up for me had written all over my paperwork, have her do, call me, call me, call me. And he wasn't there because a friend of yours, right? The doctor was a a friend. Yes. Yes. He had graduated from the college I was at. He was, you know, doing his intern, his actual residency. And he said, you know, just let me, I'll, I'll take care. You know, he took care of me all the way through the pregnancy and said, you know, I will be there. I will be there for this this delivery. Well, he wasn't because the people said, well, he's on vacation. And I said, but he said to call him, but he said to call him. Well, that didn't happen. So I was like, okay, well, I deserve that. Anyway. So I, I gave birth. They asked me if I wanted to hold him. I just was like, I I can't, I can't. If I hold this little boy, I love kids. I, it's going to be a very disappointing thing for this couple that I promised this baby to. Because you knew so, there was no way if you held him, you didn't think you'd be able to give him up for adoption. And you felt absolutely. the adoption was the the best choice for him and for you at the time. Right. I mean, every boy needs a, a dad. Every boy needs two parents to to love them. And I just did not feel worthy of having him because of that factor. I was, you know, just one of those things that that triggered the adoption in my life. So I had, I gave birth to him and they, they, they didn't want me to have to stay down in the maternity ward or whatever they call it. And because at that time 
there was two women in one room giving birth and then they put you in the same room with a curtain between you and I could hear her with her baby and everything so they sent me to another floor and once I got to there I was like just take mom please just let them take us home you said you didn't hold him but earlier you shared that you did have a little bit of contact with him so before we left the hospital I said you know uh, as well as I could walk, we walked down and to see the baby. I said, mom, you know, just mom was like, just let's go down and see him one more time before you leave. I think that that will be good for you. So we went down and there's a nurse holding him. And I was, uh, I was like, she was like, well, do you want to hold him? And I said, no, I can't. I just can't. I said, but I'd like to hold his hand. So I reached out my little hand and he grabbed my fingers and I said, goodbye. And, um, course I was low as you can get at that point but God had a plan mm-hmm. you know God knew the path that he had for me I just didn't see it and, you for, know? and for that baby yes so um my um journey back home was was um you know sitting on one hip my mom's like okay we're going home you know three days afterwards and I'm like okay, this is going to be fun. So I'm sitting on one butt cheek and and driving down the road. And I was like, this is horrible. This is absolutely horrible, but I deserve it. And so as um, we got home, um, I I was, you know, kind of given the point where I was like, okay, you need to find a job. You don't have any reason to be sitting around here. Um, You need to go find a job. So with all of that being said, you know, I took my, my test, got my teaching license, and I did find a job. About almost eight months afterwards, I met Steve. Steve is my husband now. We dated within a year. We got married. And within four months, I was pregnant with my daughter, Nicole, who just got engaged last night. <laughs> with a pretty girl. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's a big one. I'm like, I get it. I need to get a bigger ring now that she's got that big rock. <laughs> so I had her and it was just like a slap in the face. It was like, this is what you gave up. Mm. You know, this is what you're missing out on. So as I had that void in my heart, as I was getting used to life with a baby you know, after, you know, this, this event that had happened and Nicole's uh, three years younger than Matthew, Matthew's my son. So as I gave my testimony as Nicole, and then I had another daughter, Kristen, and I went and, and gave my testimony at a women's retreat and, you know, and, and I went through this whole process kind of like we're doing now. And at the end I said, you know, if I never see him again, I know that I will see him in heaven. You know, if I never meet him on this earth, I will see him again. And, but I long to see him and meet him. And my heart needed that. So when he turned 18, I called the lawyer and said, Hey, this is Pam Ryder. And I'm just making sure my files are up to date in case Matthew would want to find me. And she said, oh, yes, yes, yes. You were my first one and my first um, adoption case. And you gave him up to Jack and Linda Johnson. And I was like, 
I didn't know the last name. I knew his name was Matthew Ryan and I knew their name was Jack and Linda, but now I had a last name. Well, I'm the type of person that doesn't let things go like that. (laughs) So I started investigating. And in the next 10 years, I would look every once in a while and look up his name. But, you know, I know, I know on the top of my hand for Matthew Johnson's, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that is a common name mm-hmm. and Jack and Linda, I mean, they're both common names as well. So um, when I was looking, I, I would look for them and then I'd look for him, you know, back and forth. And there really wasn't much about him because he was in his early twenties and, you know, just places that he had lived or whatever. So we would look every once in a while and one night um, as my daughter and her friend were like, well, let's look, let's look, let's look on Facebook. And so they looked on Facebook and they go, mom, I think that this is him. And I said, well, why, why, why do you think it's him? Well, look at him. He looks just like you. And I didn't see it. I, I really didn't see it at first. Then I was like, well, that's my smile. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm, you know, back and forth. Mm-hmm. So as um, as that got going, I sent out a little friend request on Facebook to him <laughs> boldly. And then I also messaged him and said, you know, um, were you adopted? That's it. Just put that right there, bold, right out there in front. And so um, I would check and look and no response, no response. It was a year, a year, Casey, before he actually responded. I mean, at what point did you, what was going through your head at that point? Because here you are, you've had a lifetime of thinking about him or uh, his lifetime of thinking about him. And now you've gotten a glimmer of this might be him. Would he want to connect? You reach out and then you hear nothing. What was going on in your head at that point? Did you think he was ignoring you or? Yes. I was like, he didn't want to meet me. He didn't want to have anything to do with me. You know, that, that Mm self-esteem that, that was taken low you know, when I gave him up and, and then thinking, oh, well, yeah, I'm not, I'm not ever going to meet him here on earth. So a year to the, almost in November, he was 27. It was, um, I can't even remember what year it was, um, 2013. And I got a friend request and then he has an Android. So I don't know how it's set up back then where he didn't even see the message um, for a year. And he said to me later that he actually had not been in a place where he could have accepted that until that point in time where he saw that mm, another God thing. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't uh-huh. ignoring you. He just didn't see it. Yet. Right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, he wasn't in a place to be able to, to accept it. So, um, right. Very cool. Yes. So as we, um, got, connected. I'm sure I drove him nuts. I texted him all the time and all these things. And this was November, December-ish. And my husband said, well, let's go meet him. So I got on the phone with him one night and we talked about the whole process, what I went through, what made me want to give him up for adoption or not want, but make that decision. Yeah. Yes. My, my choices were not, were limited. And so, um, as we talked about that. I asked him, you know, 
how do you feel about meeting us or meeting me? And he was like, okay. Uh, And I was like, oh, yay. So um, for Christmas that year, Steve got me a necklace with all all three of my kids' birthstones on it now that we'd found Matthew, and which was a special gift. And then he took me to Florida to meet him. I remember it was pouring rain, just pouring down rain. And we pull around to this place that he had set up that we'd meet is called Hooker Tea as a tea place. And and we pulled up and I got out. I could see him sitting up there or standing up there. And I got out and it seemed like I was walking a football field, Casey. It was like, it was the longest walk of my Low life. motion, I'm sure. Yes. Emotions and going through your head, all the things. Yes. yes. And when we went back later, it was like a very short um, sidewalk. <laughs> it felt like it was, you know. 10 miles long, but, and we embraced and we hugged and I held his hand and I looked at his ears and I looked at it, you know, I looked at him Mm -hmm. and said, Oh, you know, these genes, um, are there, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, the similarities and, you know, just, uh, the body structure, you know, just different things. And, and it was, it was beautiful. It was, you know, my husband likes to ask all the questions. So he just went on and on asking Matthew about his life and his relationship with God and, and, and just different things that were very important to us that we wanted to know. So we stayed there like all afternoon and he's like, man, I'm hungry. And so we went to a restaurant, took pictures and all these things. And he said, well, I want you to come back to my apartment and sit with me for a while. And I was like, okay. So we both went to his apartment and he had this book that he had made when he was in elementary school, middle school, and it had, you know, things that he did as a child Mm -hmm. and all the way through to his time there and pictures. And his mom had set up a a bunch of, given him a bunch of pictures to show me. So I went and had them all copied and made my own book and and brought it home with me. So during that time, it it was very evident that we were going to have a relationship. So I didn't have to wait till heaven. Mm-hmm. I I got to meet him mm-hmm. on earth. Mm-hmm. Another God thing. Yeah. So um, as God had worked in my life through the, the birth of my children and the birth of Matthew, God was driving my car now, my life. And he was giving me the assurances that I needed and, mm-hmm. and, Filling the gaps in my heart and in my life, I he still leads my life. And Matthew was a big filler of my heart mm-hmm. and and my evidence that God is good. Mm-hmm. So as we um, went through this next year, I saw him uh, spring break. My oldest daughter Nicole and I went for spring break and went down there and spent time with him. Then in June, he came here and I was so excited. I, I told all my friends and I had a, a party you know, mm-hmm. and ha- invited all of them to come and meet Matthew. And I, you know, I would tease Matthew and said, well, I'll get you a coat of many colors, you know, <laughs> and, and he has a, a, my personality and he likes to joke around and laugh. And so, <laughs> so it was, it was, it was okay for me to say that. So we, um, 
in July, I had this party and all my friends came and met him and my cousins and my aunts and uncles and things. And, and it was, it was a blessing. And I even shared with him, you know, as some of them came through the door, this is someone that I would have never been able to do this without, you know, and how she's poured into me while I was pregnant with you and, and made me feel okay. Mm -hmm. And so that was good. And then later in the fall, you know, there are things called leaf peepers for you, those in the South. And I know you never heard of it, but Mm -hmm. Matthew had never seen like leaves change colors and fall. And because he lived in Florida, which, you know, a lot of, most of them are palm trees and things that don't really do that. So anyway, so he came up here and we went, we went to Chicago and went to, he's a, uh, art has an art degree and we went through things and I was like, okay, we only have an, more, one more hour of this. I can't do this. All day. <laughs> um, and now here I am in your art club. I know. Um, I know. I you can <laughs> share with him some of your creations. You are. I, oh, I do. I do. Okay. So, um, then, um, we came back and we went, you know, to Southern Indiana where all the trees and things were turning colors and, just got to share with those things, Mm. all of these things. And, you know, I had to be very careful because he had his mother, right? I was his birth mom. He calls me Pam, which is fine, but I, I had to be very careful not to, to hurt her and to be cognizant of her feelings or, and, you know, all of those things that go into raising a child. So it has been a major blessing as, he still lives in Florida, and now I have this little grandson named yes, Arthur. I saw your pictures at the was it at the beach or a pool or something? Yeah, with, at the with pool, Matthew and with Matthew's son, and it's yeah, just- and 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 um, his um, not his wife, but um, his Arthur's mom, and um, so we pray that someday they'll get married. Um, and um, you know, it's been kind of a rocky start for them. But as, as that goes on, you know, I, I am blessed by um, God so much to be able to have that relationship with him. It's been lately in November, it'll be 10 years and, you know, it, I can't believe it. You know, I mean, we go down there at least once a year and see him for a couple of days. God has definitely spoke to me and in Romans, um, Eight one it says, therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Jesus Christ, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. And as I think back on my journey, I think about how God forgave those sins and how he died for those sins and how good and faithful he is Mm -hmm. to restore what you felt like you had lost. You know, you, I I hear so much in your story. Um, I hear in those early years, I hear that you were believing lies, lies that you don't Mm -hmm. deserve anything. I mean, you, you felt like you didn't deserve a steak dinner. You felt like you deserved every 
bit of pain. Um, you know, there were so many things of you don't deserve, you don't deserve, you don't deserve. And I feel like that was just like the lies of the enemy because yes, like we all sin and fall short of the glory of God, but God says like, I love you still. Like your, your past does not define you. There is no sin that is too great that my love doesn't cover. Um, therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I see that. So like, just, it's such a beautiful story of, um, of restoration where you thought something was lost that you were never going to get to see it this side of heaven. And God provided a way that you did. And not that you just, that you know about it, not that just you've met him one time, but that you were able to have a relationship. And I know that's tricky and there are lots of dynamics with families and all the things, but you are getting to have a relationship with your son that you never know if you were even going to get to meet. And, um, There's the verse in Joel um, that I pulled up. Joel 2.25 says, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel like you're just, when I hear you share about how he took you through like the, the memory book of him growing up and you're Mm -hmm. getting to introduce him to people who were there for you, um, during different parts of your life. Um, and during that part of making those decisions, like you're, you're God's just redeeming those years that were lost and restoring them. And that's, that's just what he does. Like he restores broken things. And yes, like we are on earth and they are going to be, you know, there's going to be other family dynamics and complications sometimes, but we have a big God who is bigger than that. And if you allow him to guide your life, instead of putting him, you know, my reference of putting him in the back seat and, mm-hmm. and you running your life, um, like I did for so many years, then God blesses you. And he, you know, his verse Psalm 3, 5 through 7, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on his own, on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways and he will lead your path straight. I feel like that is my verse mm-hmm. for this journey. You know, as, as soon as my life got back into where I was living right and God started um, being more of my, my driving force that I could see his plans. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I thank him every day for that relationship that, Mm -hmm. that we're building. And, you know, like you said, you know, there's dynamics to work with. One of my daughters was okay with it. One wasn't ready. And so we worked through that and now she's just, you know, she's a kid person as well. And she just loves Arthur and, my grandson and, and just, you know, embraces Matthew as well, but, you know, is in his time, mm-hmm. you know? And I just want to say, you know, I know it was a big, scary thing back whenever you had to make that decision. And you said that you had, you know, you had looked at different options and abortion was not an option. And no. for you, and you said, I'm not going, I don't want to raise him by myself. And you felt like you didn't have support. And there was all these factors. And I just want to say that, like, you made a brave choice. You made a brave yeah. choice. And I know that it's, that it was hard on a mama's heart to give away her baby, but 
I just want to say like, there's like, that's so often that is the best thing for the kid. And, you know, you were able to put him in a home with a mom and a dad. And, um, I don't know, I just want to affirm that to anybody out there that's in a, in a situation when they're not sure of what to do. Um, yes, it is hard, but so often, um, I don't know. I don't don't know that my words are saying it right, but so often giving a baby up for adoption is not, it's a self, it's it's selfless. It's thinking of the baby more so than yourself because yourself doesn't want to give up your baby, but you're thinking of what is in the best interest of this baby. You know, I don't know if I'm wording that right, but no, I, I, I totally agree that, um, as you, um, as you make your choices, you know, um, we have free will and God definitely instilled in me that abortion was not a choice and that I needed to do what was best for him, for the child and his future and, you know, his moments with two parents and not this strange. And God, God put that in my heart even though, you know, I didn't recognize it coming from him at the time, but I knew um, from my upbringing that, that abortion was not a a choice. And I've shared my testimony with girls that were pregnant and um, things. So um, I feel like that, that God prepared me for things like that. And I've been able to use it as a ministry. Yeah. Well, I just, um, I thank you. I know this was a lot of, um, of going back down hard, uh, you know, hard <laughs> memories, but then good memories too. And there were, you know, I just, I just thank you for your time. I thank you for your openness and your honesty. And I just, um, and I hope that the overall theme, if is that God is a big God who restores things. He just restores. I mean, he yes. restores relationships. He restores broken things. He is a God of restoration. And yes, then once is. again, there is Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is no now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I hope that is the, the main theme that somebody hears from this, that that God loves you a whole lot and can restore anything <laughs> in a yes, nutshell. Absolutely. God yep. loves you a whole lot and can restore anything. Yes, it is. Well, yes. Thank you thank so you. much. Thank you for thank being you. here. And I know this your story is going to touch somebody. So thank you. Thank you. Oh, I hope so. Thank you. Love you, Casey. Love you. Bye. Bye. Thank y'all so much for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed it, we would love it if you would share this with a friend. That is how we are going to get the word out that this even exists. So share this with a friend, share it on social media, and be sure to subscribe so you will get notified when a new podcast releases every single Monday. Thank y'all.